Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name, my full name, Balaram Augustus Stack. It's a Hindu first name with my grandfather's middle name and Irish last name. Hail Mary is the merge of a documentary biopic and a traditional surf film. At his home in New York, we go behind the scenes and learn about the life of professional surfer Balaram Stack perhaps one of the best surfers ever to come out of New York. Hail Mary pays homage to Balaram's roots and the one main guiding force in his life, his mother, Mary. Through childhood photos and home videos, the film illustrates the beautiful relationship between the two and shows the important bond that helped shape Balaram into becoming the incredible surfer he is today. Multi-award-winning independent filmmaker Ben Gulliver takes us on a beautiful cinematic journey that is Balaram's life. This is the Hail Mary podcast, a supplement to the upcoming film, where we dive a little deeper into the story of Balaram Stack and the people who have helped him along on his journey. I'm Tyler Brewer of the Swell Season Surf podcast. On this episode, we follow Balaram going pro and his experience on the QS grind, and the epiphany that contests weren't the only way. I don't think I really had dreams of making it a career or or being a professional surfer until Unsound really made it like a thing you know like they made it they, they they brought it to light for me and then they put me in the position of of potentially becoming one unsound is the surf shop that i grew up on with david Nel- uh, mike nelson dave juan and they're two the two two of my mentors whatever coaches like fucking just i don't know they were they were there and they were the supporters from day one and they're the ones that kind of like were able to explain to myself and my mom like how this works and how to approach different things, contests, companies. They were able to bring a couple companies in, get a little sponsorship going, and then they brought, they were able to introduce me to Quicksilver, which is where the real relationship started. It was nice that 
I mean, the way I feel, it was nice that like we had a little bit of input in him. And I don't want to take any credit for anything the kids have done. The kids take yeah, whatever. Yeah. But it, with his family situation, his dad not being around, we found a lot over the years that Paul and his mom were in here kind of like asking our guidance in, through surf industry things, you know? Yeah. What should we do with this? What should we do with that? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess we gave a couple of good <laughs> things of advice because look at the kid, the kid's insane. And then it was like a train that was coming down the tracks. Every single week was something else, another opportunity or another uh, situation or another picture and another, and I went to Nellie and I said, where's the how-to book? Is there a how-to book? Because this is like a train coming down the tracks and I, I don't want to stop it, you can't, but I kind of like to want to know where do you get tickets or how far is it going to go or what, I mean, not really, you know. But I was like, where's the how-to book? And he's like, you're living it. You've been working all your life All weekends and overtime these guys out on town really like paved the way for me and like they were so passionate about surfing in this town and in New York that it was like they I think it was like we worked together pretty well like Nelly was always shooting and he was shooting all winter long film film photos trying to go to the beach switching it out coming back in like snow on the ground and he was super hardcore dedicated to it for a long time and I think New York surfing has a lot to owe Mike Nelson, you know, like during those years, he was the one that kind of got, was on it in the winter, got the photos of the spots, got the right people there, like was just, he did it right and had the passion for it. And I was lucky to have him there for me. So apparently, I just learned this kind of in this process, I think we talked about it a little while ago, or someone somehow came up, but apparently he came into the shop with his mom, and I don't remember that. Mm -hmm. But then we were at Biscuits, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. um, and I was just taking pictures, like just, and this is back early, so I was taking bad pictures, and you know, I have this, this kid was like going, the waves are only like chest high, but they're like, this, this spot in particular was basically like shore break, and it was very, very uh, steep and yeah. hollow and whatever. But he's like two feet tall and he is going square up off the bottom and then going straight up into the lip and like fins out like airs pretty much falling every time. But like you could just see the mechanics were like mm -hmm. just this. I'm like, yo, that kid's the kid. So all of a sudden I was like after that and then he came to the shop and started hanging out at the shop a little bit. It was like literally every swell. This kid's in my car. And then, you know, TJ Gamella, a couple other kids, like literally it's like every swell. It was like me and just grabbing the groms and we're just going like. You know, we're just going after it and, and getting it done. Doing the film change thing sucked because the, the one thing that people don't think about. So, so you have a water housing and it needs yeah. to be dry inside. If it's not dry inside, you immediately get fogged up. Like it just Holy every shit. time, winter, summer, it doesn't really matter. If you take off a five mil wetsuit glove and you have a five mil suit on, and then you're unscrewing your housing, you're, yo, the water leaks out of your arm. Yeah. Yo, it could be for like a half hour, like yeah. a half, like no joke, for like a half hour. There's, there's probably I could. One out of like ten times, I could get that housing closed up dry. Wow! Other times it would be some kind of water in there, and I go out and it'd be foggy. I lose just it just was never. It didn't work. Yeah, but like, there was nothing more. But so I, that's what normal, I had to do. Right? 
David and Ellie got me into that surf camp the one day in Montauk, and uh, they introduced, they, I, I wasn't signed up, so the only way I got in was if they called and, and whatever got me in. So they basically opened up that conversation of this kid wants to come surf and potentially maybe he can ride for you guys. And I was like 13. And then I got a box of clothes and that started there and then kind of grew. But yeah, Nellie and Dave were the ones to to introduce me to Quicksilver, to companies, to they had all these pro surfers coming through. They had the Unsound Pro, which ran. I think it would be if it ran this year, it'd be like its fourteenth year or something like that, fifteenth year. No, longer than that. It was like ninety nine or two thousand was the first one. So like twenty. Yeah, dang. Um, but that con the contest they had was a QS for a while, and it brought all the surfers that I saw in videos to my town, and I got to see them surf this contest and just surf waves that I surfed every day, you know. And I go to the shop and get all fanned out, like super grom. Get I remember getting Aki's signature on like six different things, like a, a hat, a watch, a T-shirt. I tr I just got him to sign everything I could. I was like, no way, Aki's fucking here. I can full larger than life figures coming to Long Beach. And then, uh, yeah, they just had a lot of that. And that was just like a good little environment for me to surf. And then we had like a pretty small crew in the wintertime that all kind of surfed the same spots and would surf during the snowstorms. And that was, uh, I don't know, that's the crew that's kind of stuck together too, till today. Well, no, the, the, the surf camp, the day camp that, that Quicksilver came through and I started the relationship there and then I think like two years went by and it was like progressing a little, but I wasn't getting paid. I was like little like trips here and there and, and trips to go do contests out west and, and then uh, I think like two years went by and then I started getting a paycheck and it was just like, I, I remember the first thing I did was buy like a, a digital camera. I was like, did like. Now I now I I like shooting with fucking disposables. It's a lot more fun and whatever, more personal for me. But like at the time, I'm like, this is the holy grail of cameras. It's like a little point and shoot electric. That was I think that was one of my first big purchases with my paycheck. But uh, I started getting uh, paid at 15, I believe, and then there, and then that's when it was like, okay. School is still the most important thing, but now I don't need to get a job. You know, like I, I, I was gonna need to get a job and all of a sudden I don't need a job and I'm still not working. And, and now I'm, I have lunch money and like, I don't know, yeah, lunch money around the world basically. As soon as I started, so I, as soon as I started missing more school than I could to keep up with school, like uh, they only let me miss 28 days throughout the year, and if I went over that was 28 days, you automatically fail. So as soon as I getting started getting close to those 28 days, I had to like select 
contests or whatever, it was it was like, okay, school's becoming secondary. You know, like I was still keeping up with it and I still had my I still thought I was going to college the whole time, you know, but it was like slowly it was like I I'm this is kinda more important now. <laughs> like in high school it was like I was missing more school than than I was in, it felt like and I started doing a homeschool at like 11th and 12th grade so that I could have more time to work on both, you know, and not worry about failing off of just missing days. I mean, being that school was still so important, like the surf, the surf industry shit, like it was, uh, it was just like a take it as you come thing. Like it was just like everything is lucky, you know, like the, everything that comes is like a new lucky step because you're not, you're still focusing on school, but this is, this is what you love. Yeah, I always, everything always felt like bonus, you know, like every step of the way, because like everything was more than I had ever imagined, you know, so it was, it was always like a, like lucky stepping stone. I think I think growing up on the East Coast has a big part to do with that because you're you 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 appreciate when you have waves and you surf waves that are that are quote unquote shitty but they're sometimes the funnest waves but being that there's no waves around that's what you always do that's why you take advantage of every wave that comes in and I think being that we feel so lucky to get waves when they do that kind of translated to getting to be go on a trip or getting sponsored or something like that yeah. You're like, it's going to be better than what you got. Yeah. Um, I mean, not knowing that it was a, a possibility, you know, growing up, and then all of a sudden it happening, it's just like, okay. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah, the high school was junior pros. I started getting like, so the next step from NSSA is the junior pros were the most, the highest level of competition that I could do in, at that age. And you could do a little circuit of junior pros. Some are, most of them are in the country, some are out. And that's like a preemptive QS tour. And then, uh, the QS, once we got on the QS, it was like, okay, now there's a chance, like now the goal is to be on the world tour. And so it was just like a step up. Like we got a big crew, every contest we went to, they're always really far from home. We all got to do our part in figuring it out, the, the mission of, of making it work between like accommodation, food, everything, you know, everything has to get worked out, which has forced us into uh, like, living a life way beyond our home life, yeah. you know, like very quickly. Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely had a big attraction to competition and, and an attraction to like a prize at the end of the tunnel. Like that, that's really cool about it. 
it was it was it never overpowered my desire to like go get barreled or go get good waves but it was super desirable and in, 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 within what it was like those contests growing up were so fun i mean half because you get to see all these kids that you never see and then another half because you're making heats and getting scores and you're getting rewarded to surf for fun you know like to, for fun surfing anyways and then as the time went older the competition became less about the surfing and more about the tactics style things and it was just like the the best surfer never won it seemed you know it was just whoever got the wave and like you started losing like over and over again and no waves it's wanting to do more surf trips and kind of balanced out into one side or the other you got to be winning yeah it was cool back in the day when like when there were video parts from the tour you know with andy and corey and and that was fun surfing to watch but uh but but clips back back in those days were different than clips today so it's kind of gotten faced out apparently but but uh they had sick video parts from the tour in the movies yeah yeah the q the qs was it was it was cool i mean i speak about the camaraderie part because i didn't make many heats you know like the qs was cool because we got to see these new places and have a sick crew with us doing the whole thing but I, I, it was always shitty waves, you know, like most of nine times out of 10, the waves were horrible. Yeah. And so that alone is frustrating. And then you don't make heats and that's super frustrating that you don't make heats off of shitty waves. It's like, well, why are you even surfing these waves, you know? But it's all a part of competition. You gotta be the best in everything. You can't just be the best in any one thing. So you, you understand it, but like I, there was definitely a certain point where it's like, all right, I'm, I'm spending more money than I'm making on this tour, and that's, that's not gonna get me on tour. So like, I always liked getting barreled and doing free surf trips more. It was just kind of like, this is a, the adventure that was always expected. You know, it was like, it, it was like expecting to go to high school. It was, you're expected to do these contests growing up to be a pro surfer, and then, uh, the side trips were just like what kept you like sane and hungry for barrels and whatever and those things just became more opportunistic and more companies wanted to put money into that and they were just like I think I remember asking Chad Wells on on Quicksilver one year I think I asked him towards like one of the it's funny probably right the year before I got dropped but I was like, yeah, like, do you guys need me to do QSs? Like, do you want me to do the contest? And this is when I was kind of like doing well in pipe and and kind of getting a couple good video parts out and photos and the mags and whatever. And he was just like, do what you want to do. You know, like, this is working, do what you want to do. And then Vulcan was really supportive of that. It's hard to think outside of competition. I mean, getting the 10, I got a 10 at Pipe in 2000, 
I want to say uh, like 13 or 14, maybe maybe later actually. I gotta check on that. I got a 10 in the Pipe Pro though, and, and it, that was like one of the best feelings I've had in surfing, competition or not. Like I got, it was the best wave I've ever gotten at Pipe at the time, and it, it was in a contest, and everybody was freaking out, and like I couldn't believe I got the wave, and then. The rest of it was just like, whoa. How old are you? I must have been, I was still in Quicksilver. I must have been, it had to have been at least seven years ago. Six or seven years ago. So how old did that make you? Um, like 23 or four. Um, God, I wish I knew exactly when. I'm so bad with that. But uh, I mean, I mean, in, it came a lot in a lot more recent times. But the 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 most the the best moment in my competitive lifetime came a lot after long after I was on the QS. But in the pipe contest again, I made the final and got fourth. And just making the final in the pipe contest and being out with four guys had been like a dream of mine forever. Like just to be in that position. And so that was and. It was cool. It, it, after every, it, like being at the Volcom House and having everybody set up, and my mom and family were there and shit. And every time I came out of a heat that I had won or made, it was like I won the contest. You know, everybody at the house was freaking out, and like it was just like everyone. It felt like everyone was surfing the heats with me, which was so much fun. And then, yeah, and the final was like just making it to the final was a prize in itself. And then, obviously, it would have been nice to get a wave, but Jack took took us out in the first like five seconds of the heat and got the first wave and and won and whatever but it was sick I, I came up first from the awards and like the whole house spraying beer freaking out as if I won or whatever and then and then he got to come up after and then we just did it all again on him and like it was fucking a good night after that yeah totally it was so funny Yeah, Pipeline's like one of a kind and just in that the crowd is is a huge factor in getting waves out there and kind of like has become a lifelong journey of just like finding a place there and, and getting the sessions that you want and kind of like, I don't know, sharing with the with the dudes that, or not really, I don't know, not really sharing, but, but like just getting waves that, that are under the radar or whatever, you know, and like Cause they're there. There's waves there that you do, that people don't get, and it's separate from the main pack of people. But but yeah, no, it's a long, it's a it's a lifelong thing of of finding your place, like paying respect, and kind of just like I don't know, being quiet in the lineup. But uh, I I got to grow up basically in my from like 13 on. All my winters I kind of spent with the kids that age around over there, so it was, it was, it was fun. It was like a, it was like a high school crew, middle school, high school crew that um, was like my second family over there for a while, and it was just like, I, I don't know, another part of growing up that age.
like a different world of that age group that I hadn't seen before. Yeah. I mean, everyone's like really, really stoked on surfing for one. And that's like their whole life is sort of probably like devoted to that, especially at that age. But did you guys, like, how did you like earn respect in the ocean? Like by just keeping your head down and like getting what you can or? No, yeah, I mean, the way the way I started surfing pipe was kind of on like the two big wash through days, you know, like there was nobody out, so I was able to pick off one or two, and I think I saw that like I was paddling out when no one else kind of wanted to. I guess not. The waves weren't always great, you know. It was just no one out, and there was like a random one or two, and like I guess that's not really worth it for a lot of people. But it's the only time I can go out and be alone and get waves on my own, so it worked out like that. But I don't know, I mean, I think people saw that and was like, oh, well, they, they, we know he's gonna go on the waves, you know, so if there's uh, once once the, they realize that, then there's like a little bit more room for you to be in the lineup or something. How do you like navigate that lineup? It's like a maze, it's it's like a little maze, like in the lineup, like you, you there's like different people that surf in di that, that sit in different spots and like, like, where where I usually sit is like the the deeper on the inside kind of a way. You kind of see that there's waves coming in this one spot, and there are not not too many waves, but the ones that do come, nobody gets. So you sit there and be patient. You can sit there for an hour or five hours and and wait for that one wave. And it's usually worth it, but it, you never know. It could take all day. How many waves could you can you like really get on like a good on like a good session? Like a good pipe forecast, or like just like a good day. I mean, if you get like something like five to like eight good ones in a day, in or in, in a session or in a day, you better get out. You know, like that's like you're 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 asking for trouble if you if you get more than that. You know, just from the from the waves or from whoever's not getting waves. Yeah, yeah. There's a limit on the waves count. It, it, pipes like a it, pipes an anomaly because there's such heavy, big, ch always changing, like really good waves, and it's so close to the beach that you can just have people that are so far into what's going on out there and they're just seeing it so close and it's just like amazing, you know? I can imagine it being, it's amazing for us and then imagine someone that has never seen something like that, you know? And it's so accessible to them and it, it's like, in that sense, it's, it's one of a kind. And then, I don't know, I mean, the Hawaii's culture runs pretty, pretty deep through that place even still you know like there's not as much of a of like a wolf pack or something like that at, at pipe but there's still like if, if if you don't get caught up in the wrong place on with the people you're gonna get caught up in the wrong place with the waves if you don't pay attention you know like the waves will, will shut you down any day of the week if they want to you know yes. it's just the arena it's just like it's so consistent in the winter it's like like, I think that's a huge part of it too, the consistency of it, you know, like there's there's always like at least one good swell a month it seems, if you average it out. Yeah. I don't know how to me and then yeah, it's just accessible. It's it's like it's got 
people that want to surf there and then it's got people that want to see surfing and it's so easy for them to access it. Who did you like look up to there as like sort of somebody's people to like follow or like to um, yeah sort of help you understand it you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Who, who would you like look up to to be like oh, I want to be like that? Oh well I mean there's a, there's a the there's a there's a couple guys that like the older dudes that would come in Hawaii and come to the house and and just like drop knowledge like they'll just tell you a story that has a, a nuts uh, lesson in it and it's kind of like a consistent thing that you encounter at the Volcom House. I mean uh, the 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 guys that I kind of first getting knowledge from and surfing pipe from well. Well, when I first, the first year I went to Hawaii, I stayed with the Asings, and Tommy Asing was like a book of knowledge of the culture and the waves and everything going on in Hawaii, and so that was a sick introduction to just this pretty magical place. And then when I was able to move to Pipe and stay at the Quick House, it was Fuller, Healy, and Reef staying there, and they were kind of like the... The, the older elders at the house and they all, you know, like I would just be able to paddle out with them every time they surfed and I'd be able to just tag along and listen to what they have to say or where, where they go and watch and it was just a runway for me in a sense with, with Reef too, you know, like Reef was, Reef's got the most subtle um, but like deep book of knowledge of that place, like he you won't hear him speak about it much, but you can see it so easily. He goes and paddles out and goes to a specific spot and like long arms his way into something you don't even think is catchable. And then he's got some crazy wave knowledge out there. And so that was easy to, I mean, pay attention to, you know? Yeah. Those guys were kind of the guys kind of getting me going. But I mean, it was it was everyone. You guys, you as you go on, you kind of like everyone comes into play. These coasters seem to do all right over there. The North Shore of Oahu over there in Hawaii was like a second home for me and still kind of is, you know, like I spend most of my winters over there and and being that I, I started doing that when I was 13, I've known everyone over there for a long time now and and it was it was cool from the kids I grew up with like in those middle school, high school era to Reef and Fuller and Healy kind of like just pointing me in the right direction to surf pipe and showing me the ropes and like showing me how to order a gun, you know, like that was my first problem. I couldn't even order a board that was worthy of pipe. Like I showed up with a 5.1 and a 5.2 and the reef was like, what do you, what do you expect to do with this? And I was just like, I don't fucking know. I never ordered a board bigger than this. And he's like, all right, use this. And then I'll order some for next year. And then that's how it kind of started. But, um, 
I mean, there's lots of guys. Like, I was always at the Volcom house, even those years I was staying at the Quick House, because Tom Dosselin was like one of my good friends. I, I, I got to hang with a lot, and then Ty and Kaimana, they're all there, and super welcoming always. And like, uh, I don't know, it's just like, I think, I think East Coasters have a, have a, a place in, in, uh, in, in Hawaiian's hearts or something. You know, like they, they are somehow a little kinder at time, or most of the time to the East Coast. I don't know, they, I think they respect respect. You know, like if you're respectful, they respect it. But, uh, um, but yeah, they're always barbecuing and, and would never say no to anybody coming over, you know, so it's, it's a good place to be. What is the environment like there, sort of the pipe house? I mean, staying staying on the strip there at the at the pipe house, there's there's all you never know what you're gonna see. You know, like there's a different scene to each day, and it could be very chaotic, it could be very quiet, it could be very fun, exciting, intense. You know, like there's all different faces to this area because there's people from all over the island, all over the world coming to these houses and everyone's like that comes through is essentially like friends or family at some point and that's how they've come to encounter it and uh it's it's just a melting pot it's a sick melting pot of people from all around the world and everyone gets super like everyone gets along really well and like there's little people i don't know it's just it's nuts to have that many people coming in and being so appreciative of it like the Volcom House, it, without anybody there, it, people come and appreciate the Volcom House for what it is, you know, like what it's been and what it started as, like just to get people to come together to surf pipe, basically. Yeah, I mean, pipe was so like, so when I first got to pipe and I, I figured out that I could, I was capable of riding waves out there, like that was the realization I had. It was like, whoa, I'm getting barreled way harder than I've ever gotten barreled, you know? Like these, every time is like a first time ever, or best ever, you know, at that point. And that was like the initial fucking fire to, to go bigger and get more and continue this every winter for the rest of my life. And uh, I don't know, like Pipe was just, Pipe was just like, it had a good fa I had a good family there and the, the waves were as big as you want them and barreling as you want them and challenging as you want them and that's just a never-ending battle that you're you're you may never win but you're you have the best time trying you know but uh, I don't know pipe pipe I mean I could talk about how it's given me a career, you know, outside of surfing in New York and being from New York, like, I, I was, I was, I guess you can consider myself like a pipe surfer, you know? I, I, I loved it and like I could sit there all winter and try and get waves and it never gets old. But it, uh, I don't know, it, I guess it gave me purpose outside of surfing at home other than like the contest thing. But it, it feels like it's its own contest every day, so many yeah. because there's so many eyes on it. It's like if I can get good waves out here, it's almost like winning contests. Yeah, fully. Yeah, like yeah, you get good waves out there, and the whole world's seeing it. You know, so not only does it feel amazing, you get you're doing your job. I mean, 
the way I've got or the, the the way I've gotten to where I am now, you know, like surfing pipe and and just having a career through like a couple sponsors and a free surfing setup or whatever, that like I feel I, I want I want the the route that I took to be attainable to any of these kids growing up, you know, like because it, it is and it's like all you need is the drive, really. You know, like that's that's the hardest thing to hold on to. It seems for a lot of guys, it's just have the drive and to keep going with it. Because there's things that'll challenge it and make take the fun out of it. You know, at times, but like there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. So I just want this. I just want this to career to go way beyond me. You know, like it's a it's a it's a career for a pro surfer in New York that I, it, like there hasn't been many. You know, Ricky Rasmussen like. Lee Fingstrom, Will Scootin, there's like only a couple names, you know, so I, if I'm going to have an impact on this shit, I want it to be, you know, like on the kids that are in the same position I was and, and surfing in the winter when they're nine to get this opportunity of surfing waves around the world, and, you know, that wasn't the idea at the time, I was just surfing because the waves are good, but it's what it's become and people can realize that. I don't know. I want to. I just want to keep keep the fire going. Make sure like other things don't get too distracting and too. I don't want to lose sight of what what makes me happy and and whatever things that have gone on through life have made have challenged that. And uh, the ocean just kind of wakes you up. You get a good day out there or or a challenging day, and it's just like, oh yeah, this is way harder than that. You know, like I'm. I, and I enjoy this, you know, so it makes everything else seem a lot mellower, it seems. All profits from the premiere will be going to the Clean Ocean Action Organization. For more information, go to www.cleanoceanaction.org The Hail Mary podcast is produced by the Swell Season Surf Radio Network recorded by outtakes from Ben Gulliver's recordings Go to at Hail Mary the movie for more information on Instagram The film and podcast is presented by Fat Tire Beer and Electric Sunglasses with support from Chili Surfboards Unsound Surf Shop and Volcom Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.